Good morning, Table Church. Hey, as we get started today, I'm going to guess, take a wild guess, that you did not receive an Ascension card today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ascension cards are really difficult to find. I don't even know where you could find an Ascension card. Yeah, we have Christmas cards celebrating the birth of Jesus. We have Good Friday cards celebrating the death of Jesus. And of course, we have Easter cards celebrating the resurrected King Jesus. But Ascension cards are, um, I don't even know if they exist, but the Ascension is essential. It's necessary. And so I want to give you an Ascension card today by mentioning three promises, three huge promises that the Ascension gives us. Uh, we're going to be looking here, uh, and by the way, those three promises are uh, a new intimacy is established, a new mission is established for us, and a new future is given to us because of the Ascension. Uh, when my uh, child, one of our children, was uh, seven years old, many, many years ago, they asked this question to me, where is Jesus now? And what is he doing there? I still find that a profound question. And in fact, this week, another friend of mine asked me that same question. Where is Jesus? And hey, by the way, the ascension sounds very exciting and kind of cool, but so what? And so again, I just want to mention uh, three promises that the ascension unlocks for us today that brings hope and truly is a life changer. Uh, so we need this ascension, whether you got an ascension card today or not. So here's my ascension card to all of you. Let's read from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And I hope you'll follow along with me on your phone or on your computer, or perhaps old school, just open up uh, the Bible, the old, the old school Bible. Reading from the book of Acts, chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Wow, what an exciting story. And as I mentioned, I'm going to uh, 
give you this Ascension card with these three promises that the Ascension unlocks for us. But as we get started, a little context here. Uh, the book of Acts is a two-part series. This is a two-part volume series, Luke-Acts. Um, they go together. They're written by the same person. The gospel writer Luke is, of course, writing and recording uh, a, an account of God revealing himself to humanity through the person of Jesus. That's the gospel according to Luke. And now Acts, this uh, second part in this two-part volume series, Acts is an account of the multi-directional, multi-generational, multicultural spread of the gospel through the apostles and through Christians amidst all sorts of persecution, amidst all sorts of danger and risk, yet they're being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking at this point, wow, Hasn't this story of resurrection and now the ascension, hasn't this gotten a little bit out of hand? I mean, first of all, we talked about the, the resurrection, that Jesus physically rose from the dead. And now the story that we just read says that Jesus physically ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father and that Jesus physically will return again to this earth? Wow. These are quite dubious claims, you might be thinking. Yet, to this first century audience, this church, these Christians, these weren't just iffy claims made by some liar or some lunatic. This was their mantra. The, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the return of Christ, all of this was their mantra. And for them, yes, they lived in a world full of disease. They lived in a world full of discouragement. Yet, because of this mantra of the resurrection and the ascension, they had hope. Are you a Christian? Then you have hope. If you're a Christian, you have hope amidst living in a pandemic, amidst living in a world of disease, amidst some days being much worse than others. In fact, you may even think this is the worst day yet. There's hope. There's hope for us. Eugene Peterson writes, the Bible is not a script for a funeral service, but it is the record of God always bringing life where we expected to find death. Everywhere is the story of resurrection. Well, let's look at this first promise that Christ's ascension promises a new intimacy Yes, this was their mantra, the resurrection, the ascension, the exaltation. That is, that Christ would be seated at the right hand of God and that Christ would return again to this earth. That was their mantra. And we may say to ourselves, well, all of that sounds really good, but what about real life? What about when life hurts or when life disappoints us? Garrison Keillor, great writer, mentions, if life doesn't break your heart at least once a day, you're showing a serious lack of imagination. I agree with him there. Or perhaps you're showing a serious lack of honesty. See, being a Christian is a reminder that it's okay to be real. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to say that life is challenging. This season is perhaps the most challenging that you've ever gone through. You don't have to fake it and pose and act as if everything is going great. But yet because of this new intimacy that's established 
by the ascension, there is an absolute inward tranquility, a peace that allows us to go into the world every day, every day with that hope, or yes, your heart will be broken. Your heart will be shattered unless this is your mantra, that Christ not only was risen, but Christ has ascended. Everything is not great, but we can access real hope and real intimacy. That's what the ascension unlocks for us, is a new intimacy. That's the definition of a Christian. Yes, there's real doubt, but there's real intimacy. There's a God who knows me, who understands me, who feels exactly what I'm going through. I'm not crazy. How can the ascension unlock a new intimacy for us if Jesus is no longer with us? Right? Where is Jesus? Well, Jesus mentions in John chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never, ever leave you. Wow, talk about intimacy. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. See, Jesus, because of his resurrection and ascension, speaks into our loneliness. It will never, ever face true loneliness. Jesus is fulfilling a dream that each of us have had, that we could be in two places simultaneously. If you ever wanted to have some superpower, if you ever wanted to be like some hero and have some amazing superpower like a hero has, well, Jesus has one right here that many of us have always wanted to have, be in two places at one time. Jesus is doing something even greater than that by his ascension and by this new intimacy. And that is he's promising not only to be in two places at one time, but more than a million places at one time in the life of all believers spread throughout the entire world through his presence, through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. See, if you want to increase your intimacy with God, you you, got to see Jesus as not withholding his best from you. God and Jesus is not trying to, to, to let you go through hardships and keep his best from you as if God is having some sort of cosmic fun. See, see to increase intimacy with God, we've got to see Jesus as not withholding his best from you. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, In fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. See, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. God's very presence with you. The same promise that was made in the Old Testament, that God is with his people. Jesus then fulfills in the New Testament by saying, I am here with you. Emmanuel, God with us. And now the Holy Spirit, this personal pronoun that he uses, another advocate who will never leave you. I will send him to you. 
Matthew chapter 28. We looked at this last week where Jesus says, be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Now, unlike earthly parents who are limited in our ability to be with our children at all times, which we want to do, we're limited in our ability because most of the time we actually have to leave our children to go and provide for them. Yet, God is able to be with us and provide for us simultaneously. So if we want to increase our intimacy with God, we've got to see what Jesus is doing when Jesus ascends. What is Jesus doing there at the right hand of God? Right? That was the question. Where is Jesus right now? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. And Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. After making purification of sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, if you can can just imagine and let your mind and your heart wrap around that very truth, you can face anything. You can face anything whenever you see that Jesus is upholding the entire cosmos right now. That's right. Colossians chapter 1 says, Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for Jesus Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. What is Jesus doing, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty after he's ascended? Jesus is upholding the cosmos. Wow, what this means is you can surrender your life to him. He has power to sustain you. He's to sustain you. He's competent to lead you, to care for you, to provide for you. What this means is that Jesus was a human being when he was here on earth. Yes, he was 100% divine, but he was also a human being. It also means as he ascends, he's still a human. Wow, does that just blow your mind that the ascension means there's a human being that's ruling the universe. No, do not think about a political leader that's ruling the universe or who wants to perhaps think that they are or wants us to think that they are. Jesus, the human being and divine God is ruling the entire cosmos. Jesus is my prophet, my priest, and my king. Yet we may ask then why? If that's true, then why are bad things happening to me? Only God knows this answer. What a mystery. It would be like trying to pour the Pacific Ocean into a small cup, trying to understand. See, Romans 8.28, that famous verse in Romans 8.28 that says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. That verse comes to us because of the ascension. That all things are not good, no, But because Jesus is ascended and seated at the right hand of God and upholding the entire cosmos, 
He's causing all things to work together for the good. We need to see Jesus as also as our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 says, So then, since we have a great priest, Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, God knows you. Jesus knows you. Jesus, as your great high priest, knows exactly what you're going through. All of the testings that you're going through, all of the hardships. He sees you. He knows what you feel. He feels what you feel. He loves you. We must see Jesus also as our prayer warrior. He's not just a a great high priest, but he's praying for you as he's ascended and seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him because he, Jesus, lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Wow, did did you hear that? Jesus pulled an all-nighter last night once again on your behalf. Jesus prayed for you all night. Jesus never stops praying for you. Do you ever think about that? In the midst of your day, in the midst of things going really hard or perhaps a really successful day, do you ever think and call to mind and have hope that Jesus is praying for you? Remember how Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. Do you ever stop and reflect? Are we ever present enough, calm enough, quiet and still enough, that we would reflect on how much we owe our present survival on the very prayers of our prayer warrior, Jesus. Wow. If you want to increase your intimacy with God, we also need to see Jesus as our attorney. Yes, our defense attorney, our mediator. First John tells us that we have an advocate with the Father who's defending us. Yes, when we sin, we don't have to defend ourselves. That's the good news. We, we don't have to cover our sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 said that Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven, but Jesus entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. Yes, Jesus entered into heaven. Jesus ascended to be our attorney, to be our mediator between us and God. It is Jesus's righteousness, his life that he lived on our behalf, that he's presenting before God as our attorney, defending us as a mediator, so that Paul in Romans 8 could write, verse 34, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. 
And the Bible says in another place that Christ is defending us against the accuser. Yes, our accuser, Satan, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, wants you to doubt your identity and your position and your intimacy with Jesus. He wants you to doubt all of it. And we're reminded that because Jesus has ascended and Jesus is our attorney, we can tell Satan, we can tell our our enemy, go talk to my attorney. Go talk to Jesus. The second promise we have here is that Christ's ascension promises us a new mission. Yes, it promises us a new intimacy, but also a new mission. Now remember, after the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days going around, visiting with his disciples, encouraging them, trying to build up their faith. He knew they doubted. He's encouraging them, yet, if you look in our passage here, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says, and they're asking him, they're they're asking Jesus, will you, Jesus, at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you do it? Will you do it, Jesus? Jesus is not going to do what they think. Jesus is going to blow their minds, and Jesus is going to blow our minds with a type of restoration, a type of mission that they weren't expecting, and perhaps a mission that we don't expect. See, in verse 6, they're thinking, Jesus, will you come and do this? And of course, in verse 8, he's asking them, no, no, will, will you, disciples, will you be my witnesses? They're saying, Jesus, will you? And Jesus is saying, no, will you be my witnesses? See, Jesus is not speaking about a restoration of this military and political kingdom that would drive out the Roman armies and restore a national sovereignty to Israel. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven. So since Christ's rule and reign is everywhere, we're called to be Christ's representatives here on this earth, everywhere. And so I ask the question, do you feel empowered? Do you feel empowered that Christ's power, Christ's empowering presence is with you in the workplace? Or do you feel like a bumper sticker I saw that said, I tell you to go to hell, but I work there, and I don't want to see you every day. See, that bumper sticker has no hope. That, that, that bumper sticker dreads work. It dreads each new day. It dreads life. It's stuck. The mantra, the hope, the promise, the good news of not only the resurrection, but the ascension is that remember in God's mission, we are God's presence throughout the world, right where you are, right to that very workplace where God has you, right to those very people that God has placed you as light in a dark place. See, the ascension means Christ's continued presence, his continued ministry. You'll remember on the cross, Christ said, it is finished. Jesus never said, I am finished. Jesus is still working. It's it's through my followers, Jesus is saying, that I would be scattered throughout the entire world. 
See verse 8 here, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See verse 8, Jesus does not say, that's it. I'm tired of your questions, you, dis you doubtful disciples. That's it. That's it. I'll just have to stay here and get the job done myself. If you want something to be done right, you've got to do it yourself. No, Jesus does not say that. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You will be my witnesses. See, the ascension propels us into mission. Have you taken up that mission? See, Jesus was not afraid to say, be my representatives. Jesus is not afraid to identify with us. Therefore, we should not have fear in identifying with Jesus. We are empowered in this new mission because of the ascension. And the third promise I mentioned is that because of his ascension, he promises us a new future. See, even though we don't know when Jesus is going to return, we know that Jesus will return. Look at Acts chapter 1, our passage here today, verses 10 and 11. It says, As they strained to see Jesus rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but will someday return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I want you to go back and look, look at Luke chapter 24, the last few verses of Luke as he concludes his gospel there. And he mentions there in the last couple of verses that they didn't just continually stand there stargazing, looking in, into the sky, wondering where Jesus was. They actually did leave. They actually did go into mission. Luke chapter 24 says that they returned to Jerusalem, worshiping, praising God with great joy, sharing that good news. See, the ascension, the ascension moves us from standing and staring at Christianity into activity. The ascension moves us into this activity. Verse 11, he says, this same Jesus is coming back. Proof there that Jesus is not just evaporating somewhere into the clouds. Jesus is coming back. N.T. Wright, a Christian writer, says, Heaven and earth interlock and intersect in a whole variety of ways, even while they retain, for the moment at least, their separate identities and roles. Combine this with the doctrine of the ascension, and we do not have a Jesus who floats up to heaven up there but disappears into a reality we cannot see. Because heaven and earth are not yet joined, Jesus is physically absent from us. At the same time, he is present with us through the Holy Spirit and the sacraments, linkages where the two realities meet in the present age. Wonderful, wonderful how. We're to be reminded how the story ends. The story ends not in destruction, not in chaos, but in hope. See, the ascension unlocks this new promise here. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, 
chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. I'll read it for us. It's glorious. This glorious vision for us. The writer there, John, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy, holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. A reflection question for this very week. How would your very life change this week? How would your community change this week? How would your city change this week if we lived our lives in light of this reality? In light of this reality that Jesus has not only ascended, and what struggle are you dealing with that this very truth of the ascension brings hope into? Focus on Christ's return. Focus on that. Meditate on that. Think on that until joy comes to you. Now, in conclusion, as we reflect on the resurrection, the ascension, the exaltation, and the return of Christ, we're called to respond. Yes, there's a, a response that's asked of us. St. Augustine said of Jesus, you ascended from before our eyes and we turn back grieving only to find you in our hearts. Only to find you in our hearts. Again, go back and look at Luke chapter 24, the last few verses there, that, that the way their story ends is they actually leave after seeing the ascended Jesus, and they go into mission. They embraced the Lord Jesus as risen and ascended. Have you embraced the risen, ascended, exalted, and promising to return again Jesus? Have you, have you embraced this Jesus? Now, as a wraparound, back to the story of my little seven-year-old many years ago asking those thought-provoking questions. Where is Jesus right now? And what is Jesus doing there? We are a lot like that seven-year-old, aren't we? Yeah, we're adults. We wear adult clothes. We have adult things. We do adult things. But we're those little kids in adult bodies asking that same question, needing that same assurance. Where is Jesus? What is he doing there? And so the next time you ask that question, perhaps this week when you ask that question, where is Jesus and what is he doing? Remember that because of the ascension, God is with you, empowering you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Remember that because of the ascension, Jesus is your attorney and that no one can bring any charge against you. And that remember Jesus as your prayer warrior. Jesus is praying for you right now. And that because of the ascension, remember that God is good 
God is ruling and reigning over all circumstances. God is sovereign. And remember that Jesus is calling me into a purpose and into a mission greater than my own moment in time. And lastly, remember that because of the ascension, Jesus will come again to this very earth and will take away death, sorrow, crying, and all pain. Hallelujah. Let us pray together. Help us see you, Lord Christ, as ascended and seated at the right hand of God, enthroned, empowered, so that we can have confidence and humility to face anything in the world, knowing that you rule and knowing that your very presence is with us through the Holy Spirit. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all of, the, all of this in the name of King Jesus. Amen and amen.